eat. I'm going to read one verse. This is my text this morning, one simple verse. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. We are in the book of Acts. The church of Acts is the church in action. Aren't you glad to be a part of a church that is in action? I'm grateful for the gospel work that has been going on, is going on, and continues to go on into the months ahead um, as we've gone through this summer. You remember back in the spring when we had our revival, our overflow revival? Pastor Herb Brevis was here with us, Cliff Durer in an overflow. And one of the things that we saw in that time was that as the Holy Spirit fills believers, the overflow is for those around us. And I'm thankful that in the month since we have seen the overflow of the gospel being shared with those around us. I think about our Palooza team that has gone out and shared the gospel and how they saw people saved at each of their stops and they were sowing the seed and they're getting ready here in a few weeks along with a, a construction team to go with our churches that we're partnering with out west to go on a mission trip to do some work with some churches there and praise the Lord that the, the seed is not just being sown in our region but it's being extended, it's going further and I think about our, our Bible clubs that are going out every week and kids and adults being saved and the gospel is being shared and I think about our camps Think about our student camp week before last and then last week our, our children's camp and the ones who were saved there and the, the gospel that's being sown, the work that's being done. And of course, Satan is, Satan is fighting. Anytime the work of God goes forward, Satan begins to fight. Um, some of you may know this or not know this. Um, we, we had to um, give our students an extra nice ride on their way to camp because about two days before, was it two days or three days before, um, some... Um, I'm trying to think of a nice word to say here. I think what I've chosen in the past is jerk. Um, crawled up under the buses and tried to take off some catalytic converters. And um, God will judge them accordingly. We, we know that. I've been praying the imprecatory psalms from, prayer, from, from psalms. You know, Lord, break out their teeth and smite them in their loins and those kind of things. Um, God's, God's going to take care of that. And, um, but that was, that was an extra challenge, an extra expense. And God may put on somebody's heart to help with that expense, but I'm going to tell you that God worked in spite of what Satan was doing. And then yesterday, the, the CEF event that many of you helped with in Fayetteville, and um, a number of you prayed, a number of you gave, a number of you served, and a great work was done. 1,500 people came to that event, and over around 800 heard a clear gospel presentation 11 that we know of trusted Christ as their Savior. And we've got things coming up. We've got Brock Gill coming, an outreach event with our students. We've got Judgment House. We've got some of our interest-based events that we're doing to try to work through sports and the arts and trying to share the gospel. Let me tell you, the gospel, the seeds are being sown, and God is bringing the harvest, and we're grateful for that. As we think about the the preaching of the gospel and the sharing of the gospel, when we think about the work of God, it is easy for us sometimes to focus on the big events or the big happenings or the big names rather than what God can and is doing through what we can do and through who we are. There's a great story that Leighton uh, Ford tells. Leighton Ford was a, a, an evangelist friend of Billy Graham's. They were preaching together in a outdoor crusade in Halifax, Nova Scotia many years ago. 
And Billy Graham came in on Thursday night. He was supposed to preach on Friday night, but he came in early to hear his friend preach and to spend some time with him. And he came in and he sat down on the back row because he didn't want to interfere with the service. He just had on a pair of dark glasses and a hat, and nobody knew who he was. And he sat down in the back, and as Leighton Ford preached the gospel, he noticed, Billy noticed that the man sitting in front of him, an older gentleman, was under heavy conviction about the gospel. And so at the time of the invitation, he just leaned forward and kindly said, Sir, wouldn't you like to go forward and trust Christ tonight? I'd be glad to walk forward with you. And the man sat and he thought a minute and he said, No, he said, I, I think I'm going to wait till tomorrow night when the big gun gets here. <laughs> Sometimes we're so caught up in the big guns that we forget there's a few of us little squirts around that know that can share the gospel. The same is true in the book of Acts. We get caught up in the big miracles that took place. There are still those today that are looking for the big dramatic miracles. And they're caught up in the big names. And they're caught up in the, the, the outward expression. And what we need to understand is what I want to preach to you this morning. That God works through a common, uncommon grace. A common, uncommon grace. It is common because it is available for every believer. And it is at work in every believer. But it is uncommon because it is not natural to this world. And it is the work of God that does uncommon things. In this verse that we've read this morning, we see these devout men who came and buried Stephen. We don't know who they are. We don't know their names. We only know one thing that they did, and it was just an ordinary thing. It was just a, a funeral service. It was just a burial. We could see a lot about these men, and let me just point out a few things about them before we get into the heart of the message. One thing that I would point out to you is their character is told to us. He calls them devout men. This is a verse, this is a word that's not often used, but when it is used, it speaks of people who are those who are godly. These were godly individuals. And it really says more to us about Stephen than it does about them themselves because they, that is who honors him. Whose honor are you and I seeking in this world? Do we want the approval of the world or are we approved of by God and by his people? So they were godly men. But it also tells us something about their compassion, that they came and they buried him. It doesn't say, you'll remember in chapter 6, that there was division between the Grecian Jews and the Hebrew Jews, the, the ones from out of town and the ones who were from hometown. And there was conflict within the church. But here, we don't know whether these were some of Stephen's friends from the Grecian part of the church or whether they were Hebrews we just know that they were believers you see there is no division now it's all they've been brought together they are one in Christ and it doesn't matter what their background is their love for God and their love for a brother in Christ bring them to this place but then their courage they made great lamentation over him the Jewish law forbade any funeral, so any funeral memorial for a condemned criminal. So the courage that it took for these men to go down there and take Stephen's body out from under those stones, 
put him on a funeral carrier and walk him through the streets lamenting loudly. You know that their culture, they, they were not quiet in their lamentation. They made a great lamentation over him. So the courage that it took. So we know a little bit about these men, but there's one thing that I want to point out to you that we see in them and we see throughout this section of the book of Acts. And I hope and trust that we will see it in our lives as well. And that is that common, uncommon grace. In this section of the book of Acts, we see a lot of big names. But we see those who are serving, those who are doing, and those who are taking the small, common tasks. Never underestimate, and listen to me carefully about this, please. Never underestimate what the power of God can do through the small but faithful obedience of one of his children. Never underestimate what God can do, what his power can accomplish through the small but faithful obedience of one of his children. And we see this in this section, in these, book, in these chapters of Acts. As we go through this, I want you to see that first of all, in this verse and in this portion of Acts, that common grace, or uncommon grace rather, is experienced through common tasks. There are no insignificant tasks in the kingdom of God. There are no small ministries. There are no small tasks. In fact, Jesus will say that if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will receive a blessing for it. A cup of cold water, just something as simple as that, the most basic after breathing, meeting the most basic human need that there is, that anyone can do. A child can give a glass of cold water. Those who can do nothing else, those who have no skills or abilities or gifts whatsoever can give a cup of cold water and meet an important need, a basic need. There are no small tasks. If we look through these chapters, we'll see that that's exactly what some of these people are doing. Sure, Peter and John are going to the temple, and they're healing the lame man, and they're drawing plenty of attention. But we also see in chapter 2 that some of them simply sold something they possessed and gave what they earned from that sale to give to someone else to meet a need. Any one of us could sell something. Anyone can have a yard sale and give the money to help someone else or go on, what is it, Facebook Marketplace and sell what you have around your house. And we sell those things. They did something simple. In chapter 6, they are ministering daily to the needs of the widows in their church. They're making sure that they're fed. They're making sure that they're cared for. It's a simple task. Serving soup isn't hard. Anyone can do it. Here in chapter 8, they're burying someone. Later in chapter 9, we'll find Dorcas, who is sewing. Now, if that was me, if, if sewing was the ministry, that would be a great task for me. Because I have no skills whatsoever. Uh, my mom taught me to sew a button on, and I did it so well that I just kept going through until there's no, you can't get a needle through more thread. I mean, it's not going anywhere in this lifetime. So I admire people who have those gifts. Dorcas, when she dies, they show the apostles, look, these are the things that she sowed for us when she was alive. 
For other people, it may not be sewing. It may be construction. It may be repair. It may be just helping to meet the needs. It's encouraging. It's when Paul, as Saul, comes to the church and they welcome him in. Anyone can do that. It's a, it's a common task. It's an easy task. And they welcome him knowing who he is, along with some encouragement from Barnabas, but they welcome him not knowing who he will become. Boy, if somebody walked through the door that looked a little sketchy, but we knew they were going to turn into Paul the Apostle, man, we'd welcome him with open arms. But they welcomed him not even knowing who he was going to become. That welcoming, something as simple as that, is the task, the common task, that becomes an expression of grace. Think about how much grace it took to welcome Saul into the church. These common tasks, there are no, these are the tasks that are all around us. These are the tasks that anyone can do. These are the tasks that Pastor James mentioned about Judgment House. Those who are helping with parking and those who are registering and those who are walking along with a group just to pray. When I say just to pray, I am not say that to minimize prayer. I'm saying it's, it's something simple that anyone, any believer can do. And those small tasks are all around us, mom and dad. They're the, the conversations that you're having with your children, with your students. It's the, it's the little things that we do. It's the, it's the ministry that we have for each other. And these small opportunities all around us, but they are not small. Never underestimate what the power of God can do through the small but obedient, obedient, faithful task that he gives his children. They experience not only in common tasks, but uncommon grace is secondly experienced by common people. These people are not named. We don't know who these men are. One day we'll get to heaven and maybe we'll get to know who. I'm, I'm surmising there was at least six or eight. Most funerals that I've been to, there's at least six or eight pallbearers. Maybe there were more. Maybe there were a few. Maybe they swapped off. Maybe there were some that led the way. Maybe it was a group. Maybe it was his Sunday school class. I don't know who it was that gathered around Stephen to perform this burial. When we look at the book of Acts, there's a whole list of people it's like the cast of a of a drama it's a real true account but there's the there's the stars of the show there's Peter and Paul and that really is the the division of the book the first portion of the book of Acts focuses on the ministry of Peter and it centers around his ministry in Jerusalem but then a part way through the book Paul steps in and the rest of the book is about the apostle Paul and we know their names, and they're, they're exalted, they're, they're, mag they're lifted up because of the great work that God used them to do. But then there's the, there's the supporting actors and actresses, the supporting cast. They're ones that aren't the apostles, but they're certainly known. There's Barnabas, and there's Stephen, and there's others that are named, and we see them. They come back. Philip, for example, they have a supporting role to play. And then, of course, there's the bit parts. There's the, the ones that you sort of get their name and they show up. But we don't see a lot about them, and we don't know who they are. There's Dorcas, for example, and, and, and Lydia, and uh, Cornelius, the lame man in chapter 4. And they have a role to play, but then the book of Acts is filled, as the Bible is, and as the church is, with what well, they used to call them extras. Now the appropriate term is uh, background artisans. You're not, a, you're not an extra. You're a 
background artisan. That's just a fancy name for someone who has just a small role to play. And we don't know what their name is, and we don't know what all that they did. But God cared enough, and he called God's attention, and he, by the Holy Spirit, inspired Luke to write into Acts chapter 8 that certain devout men carried Stephen to his burial. How much of what we do and how much of who we are would fall under that kind of a verse? That the world doesn't take great notice of, but it matters to God, and God cares. There are those who will say, well, what I do is insignificant. There are those who will say, well, who I am is I'm just insignificant. Let me tell you, there are no insignificant workers in God's kingdom. Paul took care of that when he said, one part of the body can't look at the other part and say, you don't matter. One part of the body can't look at the other part and say, well, I'm not important because I don't do this. There are no insignificant tasks in the kingdom of God. There are no insignificant workers in the kingdom of God because God is significant and the gospel is significant. And the gospel matters. And so what we do when we serve the small common tasks, the small unknown common people, these common people did uncommon things through a common, uncommon grace. You don't have to be extraordinary to do extraordinary things. All you need is the grace of God that makes the common uncommon. Things that we do in our families, things that we do in our church, things that we do in our community. God turns them into something important. And why are they important? The common task is not great because of the person doing it. Or the skill with which they do it. Or the platform from which they do it. The common task is important because of who it is done for. What makes my service to God and what makes your service to God uncommon and important and of value is who we are serving. Even a glass of water given for a king and in the name of a king is of great value. And it's important because of who we do it for. Remember what Jesus said? If you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will receive a blessing for it. What makes that giving of a cup of water more than just a kind gesture? It is done in his name. When we do it in his name, that means that if Jesus was here and he saw someone that is thirsty, he would give them a cup of cold water. But Jesus is not here physically. He is here spiritually. He's not here physically. So I am here and in his stead, in his place, and on his behalf... I'm going to share a cup of cold water. And when I do that, I am representing Christ. And when I do that, Jesus said, you will receive a reward. Remember what Paul said? Paul said, we beseech you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. If Christ were here, he would be beseeching you. He would be begging you. He would be asking you. He would be inviting you to be reconciled to God. He would be proclaiming the gospel. But he's not here. He has left us here. 
And so we stand in his stead, and through the works that we do, and the ministry that we do, and the gospel that we proclaim, we are standing in the place of Christ, and we are doing for him what he would do. We're extending the message of grace, because this world, grace is uncommon to them. In this world, you do for others because they will do in return. Or you do because they have done. But grace says, I do because I love. God did not save us because we did something to earn it. God did not extend grace to us. He did not extend his love to us because we loved him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he first loved us. And gave his son to be the provided sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins. So when we stand in his place and we extend unmerited grace, we're showing this world what God looks like and he gets the glory and we are doing it in his name. And we receive the blessing for it. And that's what makes the common task uncommon. And that's what makes the common worker uncommon. And that is what makes common grace uncommon. Because it is God at work through us. Never underestimate the power of God at work in the small, faithful obedience of one of his children. There's some folks who think, well, I can never serve God. I could never serve God because I, couldn't, I can't do this. Or, you know, I could never serve God. I feel God calling me to service. Maybe a, a student that feels called into ministry or an adult that feels called into ministry and your understanding of serving God is only in a certain limited capacities you know when I, when I was young there was generally only a few places of service for God you were either going to be a pastor an evangelist or a missionary and that was your only three options and I did not like being up in front of people <laughs> God has a sense of humor doesn't he and so I would say, well, you know, I, I just don't think I'm capable. I can't do the big things. I can't, I can't do those amazing things. I, I, I don't have those gifts. I don't have those abilities. Let me tell you that God uses the common tasks. There are some people who are serving God, and there are times where you don't feel like what you do is making any difference. Maybe you teach a Sunday school class and you just wonder, is anybody really listening? Maybe you've shared the gospel. You've sowed the seed and you've prayed and it doesn't seem like they're responding. Maybe you've tried to raise your children to follow Christ and you are more aware of your failures than you are your successes. God uses the small but faithful obedience of his children. I want you to know that what you're doing for God matters. So what is our response to all this? How do we respond to the fact that God, through his uncommon grace, works through common people to do common tasks? We do what a man of the Old Testament did. You'll remember his name, Isaiah. Isaiah goes into the temple and he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord seated upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim, and you know the vision that he had. Isaiah was keenly aware of his insignificance, of his inability, of his failures. 
We know that because what did he say? I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He knew that he was not worthy to be the spokesperson for the holy, righteous, almighty God that he had just experienced. And yet, what did he say when the Lord said, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Without hesitation, Isaiah says, Here am I. Send me. We just simply say to God, God, use me. I don't know whether it's going to be with a great task or a small task. I'm certainly not a great person. I'm not... I feel a little bit like the little boy that brought his lunch to Jesus. A little boy with a little lunch from little loaves and little fishes. But he brought it to Jesus and Jesus did amazing things. He took the common and did things uncommon. When we simply say, God, use me. Will you pray that prayer? Will you say that prayer? Will that, will that be your heart's cry this morning? God, I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know what tasks you'll have for me this week. Just use me. Use this common person in an uncommon way. You know what God will do? He'll use you. Father, speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, I pray that you will encourage someone that feels like what they have been doing is inadequate doesn't measure up. Maybe they've seen someone who they think does it better. Maybe they feel like it's not succeeding. They're not seeing results. Maybe they're just weary. Maybe they're tired. And in their mind, they're ready to give up because they think that the work they're doing is insignificant. Father, maybe there's someone here this morning that you're speaking to about a place of service, an area of service, an opportunity to serve. Maybe you're calling them to a life of service. And their excuse is, I'm not good enough. Father, I'm thankful that you don't call those who are equipped. You equip those that you call. And Father, I pray that this morning they will respond to that call by saying, God, use me. Speak to us.